we're talking about. If you've listened to the songs this morning, they talk about giving ourselves over to the Lord. Powerful, powerful music this morning to remind us that we have a higher purpose than just simply existing. We have a higher purpose than just taking up space on this planet. We have a higher calling. And that calling and that purpose is only found through Jesus Christ. And I want this morning for you to go through these, uh, this study with me this morning. And it's, it's kind of a, an amazing thing. And um, how God just puts things together like this. And uh, I know that you're going to just shout for joy when you hear what I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm going to talk about giving. I'm going to talk about giving. And a lot of people say, oh, he's going to talk about money. Giving is so much more than just money. Giving is so much more than just money. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about giving time, talent, and treasure. This time of year when many people, many people open their hearts to giving to others, it's really kind of expected. They give gifts to friends and family as well as those who are less fortunate and in need. But giving is shown in multiple ways. There's the giving of time, talent, which is ability, as well as treasure, which is financial resources. The word give means to present for taking or acceptance or to bring. So you're Presenting somebody in the hopes that they will accept what is given. When you give a gift, it does not mean someone is going to accept the gift. Jesus said that God gave his one and only son so that all that could uh, would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. <clears throat> But the next verse in 17, it says, in John 3, 17, says there are some that are going to believe that are going to be, uh, that are going to be saved and some that are going to be condemned because they don't believe. There's a choice that's involved as to whether we accept the gift. We're not responsible for whether the gift is accepted, but we are responsible to give. And I would say to you that when our life is presented as a gift to the Lord, He will accept it. We don't have to worry about that. And I think sometimes that can make some people nervous. They can think, well, if I offer whatever over to the Lord, I know He's going to accept it. But with offering a gift comes responsibility. So we're going to talk about this. The first is giving your time. Giving your time. Giving your time. How many know that time is a gift from the Creator? In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Everybody breathe in. Breathe out. That breath that you just breathed is the breath of God. 
David writes in Psalm 139 and 13, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. How many know that our time is limited? And it can be heard in the response of many that are at when asked, how, you are, how are you doing? And the response many times is, I'm so busy. I'm just so busy. There's a, that feeling of busyness that can also be accompanied by a feeling that's, that it just seems like we're treading water week after week. And, and we can't possibly fit anything else into our schedule because it is so full. Then some emergency happens and a car repair, a home situation, or even a bout of illness. It seems like we never catch up, but we will fit that emergency into our schedule. It's just going to happen. I believe if some people would find a God emergency in their life to where there's just such a hunger and such a desire that we've got to have a time with God that that is elevated to a sense of emergency, not because of a crisis that we're going through, but because of a sense of urgency that we have. How many know that we all have an equal amount of time? Every one of us. Seven days. We've got a slide that shows this, which is amazing. 168 hours. One week is, 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 is seven days, 168 hours, 10,080 minutes, or 604,800 seconds. Wow. Did you know you have 604,800 seconds every week? And by the time it took that, I just used up about 20 of them. <laughs> it sounds like a lot, doesn't it? If you faithfully, and if you have a piece of paper, you want to jot some of this down, you, you, you might. I want you to reflect on your own life right now. If you faithfully attend church each week, that accounts to roughly 1% of your time. 1%. So you have 99% of your time left. If you work 40 hours a week, that's 24% of your time. That leaves 75%. If you sleep 8 hours per night, that's 56 hours per week, another 24%, which leaves you with roughly about 51% or roughly 85 hours left to your week. It still sounds like a lot, doesn't it? If you take 2 hours per week in prayer and reading the Word, and I would recommend more than that, that's about another 1%, so you're down to about 50%. Personal hygiene, maybe one hour a day, seven hours per week. That gets us down to 78 hours. Time in the car traveling, we're just going to guess at five hours per week. Shopping, five hours per week. Eating, seven hours per week. We're still down to 61 hours. And some people say, well, I spend more than that or I don't spend as much as that. You can insert whatever number you want. I'm just using this as an example. Entertainment, 20 hours per week. That gets us down to 41 hours left, or roughly 24%. Still seems like a lot of time, doesn't it? I'll leave the rest up to you to determine where your time goes, but you can see that when you put it on paper, it really makes you wonder, where does my time go when I seem so busy? When I seem so busy. 
Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 says, Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The English Standard Version says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise as wise, making the best use of your time. Because the days are evil. The King James says, redeeming the time. Making the best use of your time. How many want to make the best use of your time? Absolutely. No, I'd rather just waste it. Spending in line, waiting somewhere. Said nobody ever, right? I'm just going to get up today and my purpose is to wait in every line at Walmart. No, absolutely not. We look for the shortest time. We look for the thing that's going to get us the quickest time investment. Moses says this in Psalm 90 and 12. He says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. In other words, help us to keep an account or teach us, Lord, that we may realize the shortness of our days and make the most use of them. The time God has graciously given to each one of us is limited, but how will we choose to spend it? How much giving of our time will be for the Lord, will be for our Lord and Savior? How much of our time are we willing to give to God? There were some people last night that gave of their time to serve at John 3.16. And I thank God all of those who served. It was a wonderful time. When we stand before the Lord and give an account of ourselves, we will, will we have been found to be good stewards of our time? Giving time isn't always easy. It involves a shift in priorities. And I want to say that there's a difference between time and quality time. Quality time is not trying to do more than one thing at a time. It's central focus in saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this conversation with this person. And right now, this person is the only person that matters. When you're devoting yourself to reading of the Word. Now, I, I'm just going to be transparent before you folks. When we went on our 21-day prayer and fasting back just a short time ago, um, the Lord really kind of used that time as a time to help me change some of the things that I had been doing. Uh, I gave up playing Candy Crush for 30 days, which I've been playing that for a few years. It's one of the few games that I play, and I don't play it a lot. And I play it now less than I used to. So I gave that game up for 30 days, never even looked at it or touched it. And I had a habit of reading my Bible, using the Bible app, and um, listening to my Bible. So I was listening to it, but sometimes, and probably more often than I should, I would play Candy Crush on one screen, and I would listen to the Bible on the other screen, and the Candy Crush didn't have any sound, so I was just hearing the Bible. But during the 21 days of fasting and prayer, I gave up Candy Crush 
And so I no longer did that, and I just began reading as I was hearing what the Bible app was saying, and that's a habit I'm glad to say that I have continued to this time because I thought, you know, I want to devote my full time and attention to what I'm reading and what I'm seeing. I'm not going to try to just give God just a part of this time right here. And some of you may say, well, Pastor, I'm surprised you did that. Um, well, I'm not going to throw any stones. Let's put it that way. I'm probably not, as Pastor Bill would say, the only duck swimming in that pond. <laughs> Giving of our time isn't easy. It involves a shift in priorities. We have routines and we lead busy lives. Doing something different with our time requires intentionally breaking those routines. It helps us to evaluate our properties in light, our priorities in light of God's priorities. How many know that His ways are higher than our ways? His priorities are higher than our priorities. <clears throat> then there's giving of your talents. The talents, abilities, and wisdom that we were that we have were given to us by God. I know that there are some that might say, well, I went to school and learned some of the and learned some of the abilities that I have. I learned them at school. How can you? How can anybody say they were from God? Because I learned them. I worked hard for them, and I got them. Who created you with the capacity to learn and retain the knowledge and apply it toward what you have your mindset toward? If you didn't have that capability inside, you would be nothing. But He gave you that intellect. He gave you that ability to have the view that I'm responsible for my own abilities. I'm a self-made person. It only takes focus away from God's influence and His gifts and it elevates self above God. In a way, it can be like kind of like a college graduate that achieved a great, edu great educational success and vocational prestige, and but forgets that someone else sacrificed their lives, their time, their talent, and treasure so that they would even have that opportunity. Amen. There was some parent or grandparent or somebody in the background that housed, clothed, fed, and made the opportunity possible. Maybe even paid tuition. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What, what, do you have, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Look at the person close by and tell them, You're different. Yeah. Because God made you different. You are different than anybody else and there is no one just like you. God made you unique and special and has given you different talents and abilities than anybody else. Not only do we have different natural abilities, but God also gives us different spiritual abilities and gifts as well. Romans 12, 6 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. How many know that God gives each one of us His measure of grace and we have different gifts? In your, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 1 Peter 4.10 says, 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. 1 Timothy 4.14 says, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Note that he says, do not neglect your gift and give yourself wholly over to the gifts that God has given you so that everybody can see God working in your life, so everybody can see the progress that God is making in your life and through your life. The talents and abilities that God has blessed us with are not meant to be put on a shelf and not used. They're also not meant to be used for selfish purposes. How will we choose to use what God has given to us? How much giving of our talents and abilities will be giving with the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ in mind? When we stand before God and we give an account of ourselves, will we have been found to be faithful stewards of our talents and our abilities? The next is giving of your treasure. A lot of people are like, oh, here it comes. Here's the money part. I'm going to tell you something that you probably didn't know. If you knew this, you can let me know. But how many know there are 2,350 verses in the Bible related to money? And Jesus spoke on this topic often, incorporating the subject into, in half of his 32 parables. Why do you suppose this is? God knows that we are human and subject to temptation and the schemes of the devil as he tries to ensnare people by using money. I think what Paul writes to Timothy really sums it up in 1 Timothy 6, 9. He says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Mm -hmm. Some people eager for money, get this, they have wandered from the faith. And they pierce themselves with many griefs. But you men of God flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Please do not misunderstand what this scripture is saying. It does not say that money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Greed and selfish gain and desire is really what is what births evil and other selfish things in a person's life. And it keeps them from being able to be used as God would have them to be used. Greed puts selfish interest above God's call to giving. I want to read an article that I found that was very interesting. I was only going to read a portion of it, but most of it is what I'm going to share this morning. It's called The Blessing of Giving. It's written by Roly Demos. It was written a little over a year ago. He writes this, The topic of money in Scripture is important because how we view money is an indicator of what we value or treasure in our lives. Our view of money demonstrates where we ultimately put our trust in God or in ourselves. Many have a hard time with the topic of giving because our financial life is filled with anxiety. How will we make ends meet if we are regularly giving a portion of our income away? This worry comes from a misunderstanding of our relationship to money. We may be thinking, is it God's money or my money? Another way of asking the question is, 
How much is God's and how much is mine? In reality, we have to come to the conclusion that we aren't the owner, but God is. As the Apostle Peter admonishes, our job is to be faithful stewards of what the Master has entrusted to us. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God is the giver of our gifts and resources. We are merely His managers. In Matthew 6, 26, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet the, your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more are you not much more valuable than they? Jesus is reminding us to place our trust in God for our daily needs. When we do, we can cast aside worry and fear because God, our provider, has a heavenly storehouse to meet our every need. There's obedience in giving. Scripture is clear that Christians should tithe on their income as an act of obedience and a recognition that all our resources are given to us by God. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will throw open if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. While a tithe is understood as 10%, I see this as a minimum amount. In fact, trying to nail down a percentage doesn't recognize that 100% of all that we make and own belongs to God. After, after we are obedient and giving tithe, we must continue to steward the remaining 90%. It is important to budget and manage the rest of your resources that God has entrusted you, entrusted to you. And when God directs you to give more and be generous with your remaining resources, trust Him. He is your heavenly Father who owns a cat. Uh, uh, Psalm uh, 50 and 10 says that He is the, your heavenly Father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He will take care of you. Psalm 50 and 10. Then there's blessing through giving. Being generous is a common theme woven throughout Scripture. You cannot read very long without seeing God's generosity to the world and Christ's generous, generous gift of salvation to humanity. Clearly, Christ's followers are to respond in generosity toward others. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 admonishes us to be generous with our finances and in return, God promises to bless us. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, I know that many of you don't have barns and, and, and vineyards today, but you can put that in modern terms that He's going to bless you to overflowing. Galatians 6-7 is a well-known passage known as the law of the harvest. One of the principles that you reap is what you sow. If you sow corn, you will reap corn. If you sow kindness, you will reap kindness. And when you are generous with your money and sow into God's kingdom, you can expect to reap financial blessings from God so that you can continue to sow generosity. This may not mean that you will receive unexpected money in the mail, but it does mean that God will continue to bless your generosity and take care of your needs. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 are we generous with the resources God has entrusted to us? 
We can trust him to return his blessing to us. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Luke 6.38. I shared a story that, and I, I, I wanted to include parts of that in, my, in, the, in this message today, but I just didn't put those things into this sermon. But I want to encourage you to look it up. And it's a powerful story. I shared it on my, face, my personal Facebook page last night while I was preparing for this message today. There's a man named Robert Letourneau who was a great man of business, uh, ran several companies. He was an inventor. And Robert Letourneau lived, um, I believe he passed away somewhere in the 1930s, 40s, somewhere in there, uh, or maybe later. That, no, I'm sorry. He, he, he was 1930s and 40s is when a lot of the story was going on. I think he lived until the 60s. But nevertheless, this man was so generous and was, he was involved in the construction industry and made earth-moving equipment and things of that nature. He was so generous that he eventually got to the place where he was giving God 90% of his income and he was living on 10% of his income. And God continued to bless him and bless him and bless him. It's a powerful story. And uh, I thought, wow, that is so powerful. That this man would just continue to give and give. And he not only gave God his income, but he also had stock in his company. And he gave half of his stock over to God to, to be propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a powerful, powerful story. I encourage you to read it. I also found an excerpt from another article, which is a powerful thing. And I think many of us probably don't realize this. And while I was reading this, I, I remembered a conversation and talking about tithing that I had probably 25 years ago with a coworker that I, I uh, knew over the phone because back then we didn't have internet. And uh, we, had, uh, we had, I talked to him on the phone a lot and we, we built a friendship up and we got to talking and he knew I was a Christian and he, we were he'd be talking about the Lord and he says, you may, he said, he said, so you go to church and he says, and you, you tithe and everything. And I said, yes, I do. And he said, he said, you know, I'm just trying to get maybe to that place. And uh, I, I just, I never forgot that conversation because it seemed remarkable to him that we were tithers. And that really is a remarkable thing in our culture today. This article was written about four years ago and it's entitled, Few U.S. Adults Tithe. Giving continues to decline among younger Americans. Though many Americans attend churches that preach tithing, few U.S. adults practice it, and the percentage of givers is shrinking with each generation. According to a recent Barna Group report, the generosity gap, just 1% of millennials, those born between 1984 and 2002, give 10% or more of their income to a church. By comparison, 2% of Gen Xers born between 65 and 83, 3% of baby booners born 46 to 64, and 7% of elders born before 1946 tithe. 3% of millennials, 4% of Gen Xers, 5% of boomers, and 8% of elders give at least 10% of their income to a nonprofit. Barna attributes generos generational giving differences in part in the decline in faith and church attendance among younger Americans, millennials increasingly identify as atheist, agnostic, or religiously unaffiliated, religiously nuns, as the N-O-N-E-S, nuns. 
As the proportion of Christians in the U.S. continues to shrink with each successive generation, the base of givers and volunteers on whom churches and Christian nonprofits depend is also shrinking. The report says practicing Christians who says their faith is very important to them in their life and have attended a worship service in the past month are a diminishing slice of the overall population. In addition, Barna notes that many younger Americans continue to struggle financially in a post-recession era. I wonder why. Today's workers are also more likely to engage in freelance work, resulting in less predictable incomes and fewer steady paychecks compared to previous generations. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. When Jesus is more important than, to us than our treasure, our earthly treasure, then we can hear His voice on how to be generous with others as well. Pastor, what do you mean? I'm glad you asked. If we listen to and obey the word of God regarding giving of our treasure in tithe and in offerings, then we will be able to hear his voice when he wants us to give to someone else or something else. I would submit that if we are not tithing of our income, giving tithe and offerings to the Lord, not just tithing. Tithing is 10%, but more than 10%, tithing and offerings. If we are not giving that to the Lord, we will not be able to hear or respond accurately or in a, in a way that would be lending itself toward that giving opportunity when it comes up. Some people... Some people are, are they, they they have an opportunity that comes up and you see a need. How many have ever seen a need and you had compassion for the need and you wanted to do something about the need, but you just financially were not able to meet the need? I think most of us probably had. You you wanted to give something, but you just didn't have any resources to do that. There are lots of things. And people that need, that are in need, mm -hmm. that need truly financial miracles and financial blessing. Um, and we can be moved by those needs when we see them. But what I'm saying is, I'm talking about those times whenever we have divine appointments that come across us we have divine appointments for conversations about the lord about salvation about all kinds of things about encouragement we also have divine appointments i believe that god will use his church to meet the need of someone else um you run across somebody that really needs something 
you find out there's somebody that's sleeping on the floor and they could use a bed. Maybe I can go and spend $300 and buy a bed for them. I, I, I understand that not everybody can do that. But if we have the resources in order to help someone, and we have the ability in order to help someone, what would happen if the Lord wants us to do that? If we are not tithers and givers, I would say that the opportunity probably is diminished for us to respond in a positive way. We can know about it, but it won't translate into action on our part because we're not in the mindset of giving and obeying the voice, the word of God when he tells us to give tithe and offerings in the first place. Why would we be obedient to the Spirit of God when He says, I want you to go buy a bed for this person? Mm -hmm. You follow me? Mm -hmm. But if you have been obeying the Word of God and you are tithing and you're giving and offerings and you have the means and the Lord says, there's somebody that needs a bed. I want you to go buy it. And you know that you've got that money sitting here. And you say, yes, Lord, I'm going to listen and I'm going to obey your voice and I'm going to go buy a bed for this person. And I'm going to make it happen. I'm not doing it because I want to be elevated in my eyes. I'm doing it because I want to be obedient and I want to be a blessing to someone who doesn't have. 1 John 3.17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them or compassion on them, how can the love of God be in that person? James 1.27 says, if anyone has mature, uh, James 1.27 says, religion that God our Father accepts is as pure and flawless as it is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is a powerful thing. We're supposed to care for those who are less fortunate and in distress, but we're also supposed to keep ourselves from being polluted uh, Affected and polluted by the world's system. The world says, keep it all for yourself. Be stingy. Mm -hmm. But the Bible says, care for widows and orphans and those in distress. We can't do that if we're not tithers and we're not givers. Amen. I mean, we can make an effort, but we're not living under God's blessing if we do that. We can bless somebody with some funds and some needs, but if we're not tithing, we're still not living under the blessing of God. How many, how many think $100 is a lot of money? <laughs> Most of your hands are going up. Let's put it this way. If you dropped it, you would spend some time looking for it. How many think $100 is a lot at Walmart? <laughs> It can go just like that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Some people think $100 is a lot when it comes to giving. Mm -hmm. um, we had our missions banquet, our Life of the Lost banquet recently. And I, I got to just be totally open with you. I, I was really disappointed at the number of people that were at this banquet. Um, I've seen these banquets hold a couple hundred people and I bet there probably wasn't, what, 
70 people there, maybe? Maybe. 70. This room was decked out. We were making faith promises as God enables us. What are we going to give to missions? Today is Mission Sunday. As a reminder, BGMC offering is there. Empty your pockets. Give regularly to missions. I believe everyone should flag offering above the tithe every month for missions. And I would not ask you to do something that I don't already do myself. And we followed Brother Chad Broderick's lead and he said, I want you, as, as he brought these pledges before, these pledge cards for the next year, as God blesses me and enables me, I will purpose to give this amount for the next year, for 2022. And as we sat there and just prayed, and I came, I felt like impressed by an amount and I leaned over and I talked with Annette and she says, that's what I was thinking. That's what I feel like we should do as well. And uh, the Lord brought the same amount to our minds. The Holy Spirit did something powerful in that room of 70 people. Pledges and expected giving for 2022 for Light for the Lost for that meeting for our section was 100 $15,111. Amen. That people expect to give to missions section wide. Now I realize there are some pastors that pledged for their churches to give as well and some larger churches can give tens of thousands of dollars to missions. But it starts with us as individuals listening to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. The treasure with which God has blessed us with are not meant to only be used for our own purpose, but to fulfill His mission. But to fulfill His mission in touching others as well. How will we choose to use what He has given us? Will we trust Him with our treasure? When we stand before God and we give an account of ourselves, will we be found to be good stewards of our treasure? And lastly, the last focus I want to give today is giving yourself. We sung about it a while ago. I give myself away. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He gave His life for our freedom from sin. He gave Himself. Can we commit to giving ourselves to Him fully? Of course, we, we can commit to giving our life to Him when we get saved, but I'm not talking about just giving our heart to Him and turning away from sin. I'm talking about turning our life completely over to Him, about letting Him be in charge of our lives rather than us being in charge of our lives. Mark 8, 34, it says, then, then He, talking about Jesus, called the crowd to Him along with His disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow Me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for Me and for the Gospel will save it. There is a place that we can live where we can trust in Jesus and that we deny our own selfish desires and our, our own wishes and wants and we can seek His desires and that comes from following as closely as we can to Jesus Christ. Our, our only goal should be to please Him and not ourselves. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you 
to the interest of others. When we give ourselves completely to Him, just see what He can do through each one of us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. How many know this scripture says that He's prepared works for us to do in advance, that He's created us to do those works, and He's got them ready for us to do. When we give ourselves to Him, we commit all of our ways to Him and watch what He does. I want to close with this verse in Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 1. It says, To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. And here is the verse. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. Living a life of giving pleases our Heavenly Father. Giving of your time, giving of your, your, your talents, giving of your treasure, and giving of yourself completely over to Jesus, not holding anything back from Him. Just wait and see what He does as you completely commit your life into His care and you trust Him and follow Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for your word today. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your goodness and glory calling us to a life of giving so that we can be generous, so that other people will see us as generous people. So that that generosity that you gave in giving your life transfers into every area of our life as we live our lives generously and giving to you and to the work of your ministry. Lord, in our time our talent, our treasure, and our lives completely. Thank you for it. Lord, if we have drifted far from you, or maybe we don't have an active relationship with you, Lord, we just surrender to you and we say, God, forgive me. I want to move forward with you. I trust you and I thank you for it. I praise you, God, that my sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. I just have to trust Jesus. Thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Those of you who are online, if you've made a commitment to follow Jesus or here in the house, you trust him with all your heart. We want to hear from you. We want to know. Read your Bible. Attend church often. Pray often. Those are the three things that you want. You need those godly influences around you. And He will show up in a great measure. I know there are some that have, have been ill and sick and not able to come. There's requests that we've had that have, has come in. And we know that God is a God of healing. He's a God of deliverance. We'll give ourselves over to Him. I'm going to pray a final prayer for those online. And then we'll take some time to pray here in the house. Father, I thank you for those that are watching, those that are tuned in. Lord, where there is healing that is needed, I pray for your deliverance right now in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would just let them sense the touch of your hand. Lord, we come against the enemy in the destruction that he's trying to reap. And Lord, we... Declare peace, healing. We thank you for it right now. We praise you for it, Lord, in every body, every spirit, every mind. 
every relationship that needs to be restored. Father, thank you for your touch today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.